Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award-winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free, and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details. I remember being a kid. I can see that happening. That's oh, always oh. something to do. The Unlaced. Unlaced podcast. It's actually not bad. <laughs> and we're back, everyone. The Unlaced podcast 2022. I know we took a little bit of a break. I'm going to be honest. I needed it. So did my boy Ethan over there. But um, we're back. 2022 is going to be big. You know, sort of the end of last year, we did some vlogs, some pretty cool stuff. We're going to do more collaborations. Uh, this year and definitely get more listener engagement across the show, um, which we want to do. Um, this first episode, though, I'm not going to lie, like I was excited for the year, but holy fuck, I'm excited now even more because this first episode's big. And a lot of people that know me on this show, um, I haven't spoken too much about it, but people that know me personally know that I love my cryptocurrency, the NFT space. It's a crazy space at the moment. And obviously sport is something I'm passionate about, which is why this episode is going to be like a little bit of a perfect marriage because... I'm joined by some absolute legends, uh, three of the Melbourne Storm favourites in Kenny Bromwich, Ryan Pappenhausen, and also Jerome Hughes. And of course, second time on the show for my boy, uh, Shandor Earl. Boys, how are we? Good, brother. Right. Mate, it's good to, good to have everyone, uh, everyone on. I, I wanted to start with, uh, with you, Kenny, because I know you guys had a bit of a training camp down in Geelong. Um, but how, how was that, man? Like, was, is that, is that grueling? Like, we don't really see much of it, but I assume from what I've heard, it's, it's a pretty tough camp. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty full on time, man. Like, I think they squeezed a lot of work, uh, probably about a month's work into two weeks. So, uh, they got us starting early mornings and finishing late at night and, um, they put in quite a few field sessions and gym sessions. So it was pretty good. Uh, I think we get a lot out of it as a team and, uh, sort of fast tracked our, um, fitness levels and stuff like that too. Perhaps, is it is it kind of like, is it training for like rugby or is it actually like a bit of like a boot camp kind of vibe as well? Nah, uh, it feels like a boot camp at times, but uh, <laughs> nah, there's, there's a lot of training that goes on and, and probably um, a lot of off-field meetings as well uh, in regards to sort of culture, um, themes around how we want to go about the year um, and just sort of honing in on that um, just so everyone's on board and and like Kenny said, we're sort of in each other's pockets for two weeks. So it sort of builds that um, friendship, camaraderie, um, you should call it. But um, that's what it's all about. Like I said, fitting sort of a month of training um, and getting to know each other in the two weeks. And um, the training's not easy either. So it's, yeah, it's pretty grueling, tough, long days. But, um, yeah, you're better off for it. Yeah, I bet. Uh, Shandor, do you miss being at those things at all? Or are you kind of content with uh, not having to go through that shit anymore? Oh, mate, I miss the boys and footy and that, but I do not miss boarding school Geelong camp. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I spoke Definitely to not. Boys, did you finish with the Hill session or nah? Nah. We, oh, uh, mate. Nah, we, we, uh, we're a bit smarter this year, bro. Like, we went... Uh, oh. well, I mean, it's good to hear, but... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that the, hurts. With COVID and all that, bro, like, we don't know how long or how many sessions we're actually going to be able to train together. So we're just trying to utilise that time to get the footy in the hand. Um, Love that. Thanks for COVID. <laughs> and, uh, hey, hey, it was a session of doom, though. Yeah. Three and a half hours, I reckon. Really? Oh, Far 
Get out, man. Are you guys on hands and knees after that, or is it like you, you're kind of at a stage where you can get through it fire? <laughs> <laughs> They're pointing at Jerome. Uh, I'm like cradled like cradle up into a little ball. I'm not hands and knees on. Yeah. <laughs> Fetal position. <laughs> no way. Yeah, that's bad, so. That's crazy. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of weight to carry around up top, you know. Yeah, I bet. I bet, man. One thing when I had when I had the door on, um, like oh, I don't know how long you're on. Might have been a year ago now, man. But one thing you yeah. spoke of to me, and, I, and obviously I'm a Storm fan, being a Melbourne boy, was like, and you can kind of see it with you guys now. The relationship was like the culture of, of Storm, and there's kind of like this feeling outside of the club that a lot of people aren't in there, so they don't actually know. But we constantly hear like the culture of the club, something special like for people to leave and we'll maybe touch on Kenny a little bit, but like it's a big decision and a lot of people that have been there have been there for a long time and they love the club. Can you give us like, and collectively, whoever wants to take this first, but like what, what do you guys mean by that? Like why is it so special there? And, um, you know, obviously people speak about it so much, as I said. Uh, yeah, I, I just think the history of the club, you know, started most of it, like, it's not something we, we, well, when I come from uh, the Cowboys, I don't get a lesson on it or whatever. It was just the way, you know, people presented themselves, you know, not just um, at training or at games, just outside of footy as well. So um, it, it just, I feel like it just brings everyone closer as well, just the way that people, uh, you know, welcome me in when I first got here and, um, you know, how we try welcoming the new boys now at the moment. So just brings that good feel around, um, you know, around the club and, I think it's just started from way back, um, you know, from when the you know the older guys started, and um, you know the people that first done it. It's just come through since now, so um, you know it's pretty special. Um, yeah, at this club. That's cool, man. It's something about the storm as well. Like, and I'll be honest, like I'm a, as I said before we jumped on air, like I'm a soccer guy, but I love my AFL. There's something about when you live in Melbourne, like you just become fucking territorial over Melbourne Storm. Like, like when you guys obviously beat uh, Penrith a couple of years ago. And Paps just ran it, ran the house down, and Clive Churchill medalist and all that. Like, I was so passionate. And then last year, it's like the heartbreak. I'm like, man, I don't even watch like this sport all the time. And it's just something about the storm, the collective. Like when you're a Melbourne team, obviously that the, the mm. faithful is pretty crazy. Like, have you guys found playing in front of the fans at home is that like a big advantage? Being sort of that like one team state, does that does that sort of assist you guys a little bit? Um, tough question. <laughs> Probably played a handful of games there at Melbourne um, yeah. the past two years, but yeah, um, you, do, you do feel um, a sense of responsibility, I guess, to, to play well. It's the only team in the state, and um, probably goes back to sort of how you enter the club and, and the stories told to you back then as well. Um, we've got it pretty easy now. It's when Melbourne first started out, um, no one knew what rugby league was. Um, and those guys back in the day in 98, 99, they sort of put us on the map, winning a premiership early, um, creating success. And like you said, I think Melbourne's a very sporty town. And if you're successful, they'll get in the back of you. And um, I think we just sort of got that standard to uphold now. And um, that's sort of what drives a few of us is, um, is just trying to make people for us proud and, and uphold that standard that Melbourne had. So, um, you have that feeling when you run out to Amy Park and um, the fans are pretty passionate. So uh, they'll let you know if you had a good game or a bad game. But, yeah, I um, bet. <laughs> regardless, they're, they're really loud. And um, yeah, it's definitely an advantage playing out of there. Yeah, awesome, man. And I do want to just touch on last season before we move on to some of the cool stuff that I mentioned at the start of the episode. But Rome, I can't not talk about last season and not talk about you, man. It was like arguably one of the best seasons you've ever had. 
Um, you were insane. I think members player of the year, player of the year. Like, was that sort of like a bit of a surreal moment for you, sort of achieving that? I mean, did you expect it going into the season? Because watching you, you were just like, it was electric the, the whole season, bro. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, no, I didn't really expect it or anything. I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. Like, there's nothing, you know, more that I've done that I haven't done um, in the past. But I think a lot of it just come back down to um, confidence in myself. Probably struggled with that. Early, early days at the Storm and, um, you know, the players at the, at the club and Craig have, you know, put all their trust in me and they said they're back me, you know, just sort of gave me that bit of confidence and then coming off, um, you know, premiership year as well, um, you know, that, if that doesn't give you confidence, I don't know what else will. So, yeah. uh, I sort of just ran with that confidence and, um, yeah, I think that's, that's um, you know, part of the reason why I uh, had a pretty good season, but, yeah, it was pretty... It was cool, I guess, winning those awards, but I swapped them into the... You know, I know, man. I can imagine that must have hurt. Because the, the Penrith and Storm battles at the moment, they're like, the, it's the game to watch every year for the, like, the past few years. And credit Penrith where, where credit's due. But um, mm. like I felt, I honestly felt like you guys, that the whole season were just unbelievable. And, and it was probably one of the, the games wasn't the best performance in the final. But nonetheless, knowing you guys, knowing the Storm culture, it's kind of a bit of a scary thing because it's like, well, they're going to bounce back and they're going to be more hungry than ever. Is that kind of the feeling internally? Like, did that one hurt so much that you guys are like, oh, we've got to get back there, we've got to go again? Uh, yeah, um, yeah, pretty much. Like, every year, you know, we want to, you know, we've got to strive for, you know, that premiership. But, yeah, just going off such a good year, and, um, you know, the way it ended was probably, yeah, not the ideal situation, and obviously a few things went wrong, but... You know, credit to Penrith, they, they played well, and even in their grand final, they deserved to win as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, But, you know, we started fresh. We've tried to, um, I guess, we looked at what we done wrong last year and try to move on from that and start start again this year and, um, you know, create a, create a whole new story there. Yeah, no, agreed, man. One of the things I've found as well watching NRL, which, I, to be honest, I actually really admire because it's like it's just honest, it's out there, it's transparent, and I, I think it's different to other sports, particularly AFL, is when people are coming to sort of the last year of their contract and obviously the game's a business, you've got to make moves early, clubs are coming in for you. Like AFL, that stuff's very hidden. I feel like NRL is very transparent. Like, for instance, Kenny, your situation, but we saw it last year with, you know, Josh Adokar and, and obviously this year again with sort of um, Brandon Smith and your bro moving on at the end of the season. Is, is, it, is it sort of, not difficult, but I mean, what's the sort of headspace, you know, playing one more year with your brothers at Storm and then knowing that you're going to be leaving, is it kind of hard at the same time because you're going to be leaving a club you've known for so long? As, as I think you've been there for like almost ten years, man. Yeah, it was, it was a very hard decision. Uh, I think mean, um, I just really wanted to continue playing with my brother and sort of do what's right for my family. Um, but at the same time, I was torn between like trying to choose about two things I really care about so much and. I think mean, telling the boys that was one of the hardest things I've done in a long time. Uh, telling them that I'll be uh, moving away at the end of the year, and um, yeah, I think it's just it was it was a hard time telling them um, that I'm leaving because you just care about the place so much. I've been there since, since a young fella, yeah, like yeah. 16, 17 years old, and um, I've just sort of lived half of my life here, and um, it's, it's all I've known. So um, yeah, it was hard. Um, but it is what it is now. I'm trying to finish off this year with a, with a bang and do the best I can. I and mean, I'll be doing that every day. 
and then leading the season with um, all my training and playing. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for this year. Congrats, bro, man. Well, it's a hard one for me to swallow as a fan, but yeah, congrats, man. I'm sure it's going to be an exciting time. The Dolphins look like they're, they're building a pretty big squad. I don't know about you three boys, man, but <laughs> following Shandor, man, for me, is like watching a roller coaster of just like businesses. I'm like, I sit there and on, on my story, I'm like watching like a TV show of someone who's just like logistically everywhere. Bro, Thor, how, like, how are you doing this for one? Um, and like, <laughs> do you have a PA? Because like, you probably do need one. Oh, bro, do I need one? <laughs> I would love one. I don't know. Uh, mate, I'm, I'm surviving a little bit. Tonight. I do need to um, focus on a couple of things, but like, I'm just just enjoying diving into stuff and being involved and taking opportunities. And, I, you know, if you look at everything I do, it's all it's all teams. You know, mm. I, I'm, I'm not, not hunting projects by myself. I like doing things with people AI I care about and, you know, things that I'm passionate about. So I, I really enjoy that. Like, this is a great example Four Point, the Dead Diamond Society. I just, I love that camaraderie. I love like setting a goal and then achieving it. And we constantly seem to keep doing that in all the different um, you know, businesses and opportunities. So it's good fun for me just doing stuff I love. Yeah, man, I bet. And and for those that didn't hear my first podcast with, with Shandor, we won't go into it today because we touched on his whole journey and career, which is just insane. Um, but like for, for the boys, obviously from the Storm, who, who aren't in your position, who aren't sort of finished the game and, sort of content mm. with retirement. Have you kind of got to a space now, because you've got so much going on, that you, you're sort of stimulated by the other stuff and it's not footy that's driving you like it probably used to? Yeah, you know, bro, if you really look at it, I'm probably like trying to make up for the loss of sports, <laughs> you know? The five like, businesses. It gives you, yeah, it gives you competition. It gives you like that same thrill you're around, like yeah. you're in a team. So I'm probably like trying to um, substitute that a little bit. But no, I definitely am. Like I've, I've had my time. I've done my thing. I... And although it wasn't the the, the fairy tale, it was a bit of a roller coaster, but I'm proud of what I was able to do and then, um, you know, finish up the storm and but just be a part of that. It's life-changing for me. It'll set me up for everything else I want to do, really. So, um, yeah, just, just grateful and good to be in the position I am now. Yeah, man, I bet. And as I touched on, like, when I was, uh, obviously, in a joking manner, like, watching your stories and, like, this, it's like watching TV, but um, in the sense of one of the latest things you've been, like, pumping and, and going hard on is air locker air locker training and and that's obviously a pretty new venture for you which is kind of like franchising everywhere in australia pretty quickly for, for the listeners who who aren't across it who aren't across the franchise of what it is can you give us a bit of background on what it is and, and also how you became involved in it yeah it's super exciting i mean um just just from a you know nerdy business perspective which i know you appreciate jake uh going from a small business owner to developing and building out a franchise it's like night and day you know so there's a lot to it but the last year even given COVID I'm one of those people and there's many that have kind of benefited through the COVID situation you know I was just head down learned a lot um, from both business and personal growth and now we're at the forefront of a big opportunity to uh, launch a new fitness franchise in the space with a huge point of differentiation which is altitude training so we have all the modalities that people love and enjoy, boxing, genuine strength training, conditioning, performance. Uh, but the environment, you know, there's nothing that's been more scientifically backed and researched. And to get your best possible results, you want to be training in altitude. So um, I do the programming. Uh, so that's exciting. That's ticking off another box I'm really passionate about. But it's the opportunity to have a platform to impact people. But now on a massive scale, you know, all over Australia, New Zealand, and hopefully soon to be international 
very exciting opportunity and um yeah just loving loving the process man it's awesome can you give us like because i want to share a story about my own experience with altitude training i'm not sure if the, the boys mm-hmm. from the storm had done it but can you give a bit of insight into like the benefits that people get out of altitude training that might obviously be different to you know uh, some of the other franchises where they're obviously not in altitude and so forth yeah, for sure. Well, funnily enough, this all started in the 1960 uh, Mexico Olympics. They went to Mexico and they've got a, I think they've got an altitude level of about 28 to 2,900 metres above sea level. So it's a fair impact. I've actually been there and did some training and I noticed it, but that had a massive impact on the Olympic Games. The um, longer aerobic conditioning sports, you know, your long distance running, they it was super detrimental for them. So they suffered, but because of the lower oxygen in the air, the speed sport uh, had you know, better times, better better records, better performances. So this is where the study started. It's like, what is this altitude training? How can it have a massive impact and effect? So the study, the science, the research began, and, you know, the best athletes in the world, UFC, Olympian, swimmers, rugby league, everyone and everyone, AFL is prominent in the AFL, as you know. Um, they've utilized altitude training to increase their performance. Um, now, typically you have terrestrial, which is outside. What we do is simulated altitude training. So it's not a chamber you come in, there's no pressure. You notice a slight adjustment to your breathing. But in our workouts, a couple of the key things that happen is the environment supports your hard work. So as I said, it's the best possible chance to get results. In our workouts, you burn 30% more calories than you would at sea level, and you get about a 30% performance increase marker. So my goal is to come in every session and try and work at like 80, 90, 100% of what I could do at sea level wow. and get that 30% performance increase. So those are the two main things. Um, you know, there's... Obvious, obviously, conditioning levels as the oxygen lowers, your red cell, red blood, red blood cell increases, and you get better at utilizing oxygen. So, so many good things. Finish with a big endorphin rush, big hormonal rush that comes to the altitude, and you just have to experience it in a commercial setting with the first of its kind. And um, it's just so cool to have a program purpose built around altitude. It's really cool. So, can't wait for it to come to Melbourne. I think it's going to do really well. Obviously, as you know, everyone, there's a lot of credibility, a lot of understanding around altitude because of the AFL. So we've yeah. got five sold. They should open by mid-year, and uh, I can't wait to see the first studio open. The door, man. You're the man, honestly. Perhaps, um, Roman, Kenny, have you guys done any sort of like altitude training before? Have you guys experienced that or tasted it in your sort of storm pre-seasons or whatever it may be? No. When I was at the Titans, they had like a, a, like a chamber chamber there and we used to, mm. used to have like you know treaties and that in there but yeah yeah i can't I you guys train, trained in collingwood have they ever set the altitude on in collingwood yeah oh yeah no, yeah. i went in there too actually yeah, yeah. they had like bikes yeah. they, had bikes they got a, they got a good one they got a big one oh, yeah but that's the other thing jacob what was typical what was actually only accessible to the elite athlete in high performance environment is now available to everyone. That's, that's, that's you know, awesome. if, there's a, if there's a takeaway, that's the most exciting thing. Awesome, bro. Yeah, well, for, and if, you know, for, for guys like Pass, if, if you like training out at 45, it's cool, but, you know, you need the altitude. <laughs> hey, Paps, isn't you an ambassador or something, aren't you? That's a, that's a conflict of interest there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, air locker, I know, like, <laughs> <laughs> If you train hard, you'll see the results. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's, it, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Respect. We like, we like all forms of training. No, but I just wanted to share this story because my experience door was in um, 2011 and I was going to the Under-20 World Cup with obviously the, the national team and we were playing in yeah. Colombia of all places and we had a really tough mm. And like it would have been... High altitude. Yeah, three months out and 
we were like, like we need to get fit. Like that's we're not going to. We had Spain, Ecuador, and Costa Rica in our group. And like football wise, like they're probably going to be better. So we need to be fit as yeah. fuck. So the um, strength and conditioning coach was like, he wanted to take us to Denver for a three week training camp. Mm. And I remember the first week, man, just like finding it hard to breathe. Like I felt like almost like blood vessels in my skin, like my arms and stuff were like pulsating while I was training. I was like, what the hell? Anyway, we went through the tournament. We got battered, uh, came home, and I started training here. And, man, I was just so fit, like so fit, yeah. like a normal standard run. It was like almost like my lungs had more capacity to breathe or, I don't know, my blood cells, the blood was flowing better or something of that nature. And it just kind of twisted my head a little bit of like, fuck, maybe there's some real benefits there. Um, so it's interesting. When I saw you in, I was like, man, that's going to fly, bro. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. And now, as you said, to take that out of – uh, the elite space and high performance and make it accessible for everyone commercially. It's very cool. So just, it just everyone just needs to experience what the training is like and what the potential results are like. Um, on top of that, you know, as, as you go, as you know, something that's forefront for is trying to build that community and culture and the experience for everyone as well. So if we can combine those two, get everyone inside a studio, um, I think it's going to be a great success and just really looking forward to what's ahead. Yeah, man. Um, before I jump into four point, cause that's obviously one area I really do want to talk about paps, man. I can't stop looking at that mullet, bro. It's gorgeous. Like where, good. where did that, where did this hairstyle come from? And like, have you realized now if you cut that, like how many people are going to be gutted? Like how many people are going to be like hurt by you just shaving your hair the way you want to? Like it's, it's going to impact some lives, I think. Yeah, I was actually having a laugh with someone about this the other day. I reckon half my third-party agreements is due to the mullet. <laughs> that's um, cold. My personality is not great. And I'm not a very fun person, so that's what I attribute it to. But um, no, no, it's it started, really? <laughs> started a while back. Started a while back and just sort of grew from there. I got a bit of a following and just felt like I had to keep it. Um, it was a good luck charm originally, then last year was a bit of a shit show. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just, just have it and um, probably probably puts a bit more weight on the scales when I hop on as well. So um, that makes performance staff happy, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's wrong with it now. It's, it's sort of a little niche. Um, and that's good to see so many people getting on the mullet train. And uh, yeah, I don't know what to do with it next, but... Yeah. It's because you're you're quick, like you're one of your real strengths. Like there's so many, but one of your real strengths is like your speed. Like you're quick as fuck, bro. It's crazy. But like the the mullet, bro. Does that hold you back? Like, do you feel that when you run? Like when you're going that high speed, or is it just like? Because for me, I'm like I'd be like Jerome, man. I'd wear that helmet, and like there's no sense of air that's holding me back because I'm not <laughs> quick, you know. <laughs> helmet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rome's actually the original Mully man. He had the mullet. No so. way. No, no, no. He had he had the. Remember, that's what he yeah, used to tell you. That's crazy. Uh, it doesn't hold me back. I, I don't think I'll wear a helmet, but um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's getting pretty long. Oh, I love that. Well, let's jump into four point because you boys are obviously there at the clubhouse, the studio where you kind of, you know, run the business. Oh, but have a look at it. It's gorgeous, love man. It. I said that before we jumped on. I'm like, where the hell are they? Um, and for those listening, by the way, while we're doing this on Zoom is because we're respecting the COVID protocols of obviously the business that the boys are in. But um, can you guys explain to the listeners and even myself that are a little bit averse to what Four Point Collectibles is, I guess a little bit around the business of what it is and then how it came to you four boys combining to, to, to build that? Go on, Ken. Oh, yeah, so at the start, we were just 
we we got smacked from COVID, eh? Mm-hmm. And um, we were sort of just like in, in lockdown, just communicating, and then we sort of got, got stuck into um, just buying cars and all that sort of stuff. And um, we we're just really enjoying ourselves, just going over like um, having like a Zoom, just talking about what sort of cars we get in, joining all these breaks and all that stuff. And when we started joining all these breaks, we were like, bro, this is actually this is actually pretty cool. Yeah. And we were just like, bro, we, we could we could definitely do something like this with a little spin to it, like put our own little um like make things I think that we thought was a little bit cooler that we could add some value here and there. And so that's what we sort of come up with it and um, we said, Yeah, sweet, come on then let's go. Um, started up four point. Um we all started getting a big collection. We all got D-pads and the cards, learning about pretty much almost everything you, you could. Yeah. And then um, started up four point and started doing all these breaks and all these other things. And one thing led to another. And um, now we're at this studio here. Uh, it's a pretty cool setup. Got like a little podcast set up over there. Like a little um, studio here. We do our breaks over there. And we got like um, a lot of things in there, like a hangout do our mail and all that stuff. So it's like a pretty cool setup. Uh, I think um, me and Rome sort of like, <laughs> we do a lot of the mail stuff and we sort of look after those sort of lanes, talking to people. Happy's got his um, lane, um, crunching numbers, buying products, all that stuff. And Sandor's sort of the guy that just gets everything going. Um, he's, the, yeah, he's the one that um, sort of gets all the jobs done. He's just a gets the job done all the time for us. So, uh, it's been a crazy ride so far where we are now. Like We had to take four point on the road. Um, <laughs> we went into the bubble. That was crazy. We were just <laughs> smashing brakes, doing all sorts of stuff, just working out of the bubble. We had like a relationship with the um, the post office down in... Uh, no way. <laughs> we had a cool little system going there. We went through drop-offs and pickups and all that sort of stuff. Wow. So, yeah, it was, there's, there's a whole there's a whole heap of systems that we've got going on here that that um, run pretty well that I feel like a lot of us have taken from. So the Sandals been in quite a few businesses and put those sort of structures in here. And I think from being in the storm system and all that sort of stuff, you sort of know how important your job is and how important it is to execute that. Fuck, man, that's crazy. It sounds like Paps, man. It sounds like Paps got the hardest job there, man. Crunching numbers and stuff. I don't know about you, but I'm in good with numbers. So <laughs> that, sounds like the real, that sounds like the real gig, man. <laughs> Loves a spreadsheet. Oh, really? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, we've got um, Reese Evans, who's helping us out a bit. He's sort yeah. of taking a load of shoulders, but he's, he's a workhorse and he does a lot of that work now. And um, yeah, we sort of. We sort of got into it through cards, and, and that's the sort of angle we're going, talking about sort of American sports. Um, and we also break some NRL cards as well, which is pretty cool. And that's sort of the stand us out is yeah. uh, we all play, and um, for fans, it's, it's good access to be able to break cards with us. So um, that's sort of the cool part of it. And then we're sort of trying to transition into doing a few podcasts here um, in the studio and, and just talking all things throughout the week. And... Um, not not really footy, um, but just things around it and people can tune in if they want to. But we've uh, we've clipped up a couple of potties so far and uh, just testing it out. But um, yeah, that'll be coming soon too. So. Um, yeah, watch this space, man. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I love about actually, and if you go on the Instagram page of Four Point Collectibles, everyone listening, is pretty much like you guys like share the content whilst you're opening stuff up. 
when you kind of created the business, were you guys already kind of doing that stuff before and then getting the feedback and you're like, fuck, we've got to do this? Because I feel like the, the way you've integrated content and like those live sort of elements of what you guys are doing is kind of like for me as someone on the outside is what I enjoy about that business as much as, you know, obviously the trading aspect. Yeah, that seems to be the driver for everything we do, bro. Like just trying to give access, you know, uh, the dream was always, we knew that we had to combine content with what is entertaining, which is the card breaks and what we were entertained by. Mm. So that's always been at the forefront. We've always tried to do some cool stuff like market drops. We've made a heap of like what I think is pretty cool content along the way. Like we've had some fun. Um, so that's always been the big driver, but yeah, access like Australian sport, it's quite limited. Um, I think there's some constraints from the media and just the general perception is like, you know, there's not a lot of outgoing personalities because that generally gets shut down. Um, it's not like the typical, typical American model. So that's all we're trying to do is just like give access, be a part of the community, um, have some fun along the way. And that seems to be the driver for, you know, four point, even the dead diamond society, but to touch on what the boys said, you know, cards got us into this cards are something we're passionate about and love but if we can pivot a little bit into the digital space but then also um create something cool that's entertaining uh you know using the clubhouse to say an example uh then that's that's kind of where we want to shift to and, and cover all bases we've got a cool little announcement coming up too, a little addition to four point but um like it. it's good fun the boy you know it's it's it's, it's a challenge as well to speak from a business perspective um no one no one involved it's not their sole um, priority business. You know, the boys are playing footy for the Melbourne Storm at full time. They're all on big cash. Kenny's getting paid in crypto next year. I'm doing my best, but it's something that, you know, and I, and I think we're, we're on that journey, but um, for the boys, especially right now to have interest in business and then be successfully dabbling in business in parallel to their career is really cool. You just need to, we just need to um, try and integrate as much as possible. But, you know, COVID's been a challenge as well. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I'm going to throw this first question to Paps. And the only reason is is because of his, his bio on Instagram, which you might find funny. But before we jump into the NFT space, like obviously to, to be a part of that space, it comes back to cryptocurrency. And a lot of people, obviously, that space was there before the NFT space came that, that we all know. Perhaps for you, what sort of got you into crypto? And the reason why I ask you first is because I don't know if it's related, but your bio is at perps.eth. And I'm like, that's the shit, bro. <laughs> that's, he's, that's he's got, you he's got, you see he where that guy's you, he heads at? <laughs> he got you. He must be an expert. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's my wallet address. So if you've got anything you want to send over. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, open is getting robbed at, at, at times. I've got to try to hide it all. <laughs> no, probably... Um, Probably Kenny, to be honest. Um, Kenny, bro, the brains. Yeah, the whale. The whale. Wow, yeah, there we go. Call him the magic man. The, <laughs> the magic man, that's his nickname. So um, that's how I got into it. And um, sort of just dabbled here and there. And a uh, bit of fun. Uh, I like researching new things. And um, I, I like the uh, potential for it to grow and um, be big in the future. So I thought the more I learn now early, um, I could sort of educate, um, but then also get in on it and um, yeah, be able to share my experiences and help people along the way. So, um, yeah, Kenny's probably a big person to sort of follow and um, see what he does. But um, I've still got heaps to learn. I, by no means, and, um, I don't know the word for it, but um, I'm not an expert. expert. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not an expert on crypto. Um, I make mistakes like everyone will as they join, but... Uh, I think as long as you have someone who's sort of a mentor or 
um, consulting sort of guide you down the right path. Um, I think that's sort of all you need, and then it's up to you to sort of experience um, a bad crypto experience or a bad NFT, and then you make your own um, judgments off that. But um, yeah, I think Kenny's probably the man to speak to about how he got into it. Yeah, oh, Kenny, come on, man, you set you up beautifully there. You're gonna have to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I think back into like 2019, I was, I was doing a little bit of reading, um, just trying to figure out how to spend my money a little bit wiser and looking for other opportunities. I was reading that Rich Dad Poor Dad book, and I was like, oh yeah, well, what, what can I do now? Like, what are some opportunities? I, um, like, I have a couple, maybe I've got a, yeah, a couple more mortgages and then um, some other little things going on the side, and I was just like, I was really into the like, I had a mate that was into crypto and I was just like really interested by it. And I was like, oh sweet. So I reached out to him and he sort of like put me on the track about um, researching like what Bitcoin is or blockchain technology is, how to store it safely, all that sort of stuff in it. Um, and I started doing all that stuff um, back into 2019. But then when cards come along, I sort of like, yo, I jump, I jump back into the cards. Yeah. And then um, I sort of just doing a a bit of both, but I was more into cards. And then when um, things went crazy, um, 2020 when COVID hit and, and crypto went parabolic pretty much, I sort of started focusing more attention there into, into why it was doing what it was doing. And then you sort of, um, when I started digging more and more, I started getting more conviction in um, like blockchain technology, what, what Bitcoin is about, learning about um, the history of money and why um, inflation is bad and why it can be hedged by Bitcoin and all that sort of stuff. So I started um, there yeah, just, just looking into it like that and then started getting that conviction where I um, sort of just allocated X amount of dollars I can each pay and then just put it in there and let it do its thing. Bro, it sounds like Storm not just losing a player, like we're losing the CFO or something here, man. He's got the <laughs> he's got the finance shut down, fat bro. Just start investing the club's assets, man, into ETH and whatnot. But so. that's all they had to do, bro. Was <laughs> offering that big contract on Bitcoin. Yeah, that's it. Now, look, this is going to test me, but um, I absolutely love the NFT space, and the reason why I started there with crypto for those listening, and, and obviously this is a foreign space for some of the listeners, so. There's going to be an element of education here, but an also an element of amazement at what these boys have done. And the NFT space is essentially reliant on, you know, purchasing those NFTs, whatever they may be, via cryptocurrency. So a lot of people get started in crypto. They buy this sort of digital money of, of all the different trends and, and technologies that have their really cool features. Um, but there's a couple of those that are required to, to purchase these NFTs. And for the NFT space, for those listening, they're non-fungible tokens, that are digital assets and the word blockchain gets thrown around. I'm not going to explain it because I do not know it, but essentially those digital assets live on a blockchain and why that's becoming valuable in this world is because it's encrypted. So when you purchase these assets, assets, sorry, which range from art, music, you know, now it's like digital real estate in, in the sandbox and so forth. Um, no one can replicate that or copy it. Like you are the sole owner and, and why that's valuable. Cause if you think of like, for instance, like the Mona Lisa, I could get a blown up photo of the Mona Lisa and have it on my wall. No one will believe me that it's real because obviously they know the Mona Lisa. But hypothetically, not everyone has a trained eye to understand whether that's the real, the real painting or, the, or not. With an NFT, you can literally, seven, eight seconds, you can find out if that's the person's the real owner because you can just find their user ID and it's encrypted on the blockchain. 
so stay with me, folks, right? So there's a whole range of cool NFTs that are, are rising in value. The space is fucking crazy at the moment in terms of what people are doing and, and yeah. how they go on it. And before we touch on DDS, the Dead Diamond Society, like, can I just get some general comments from you guys, Sandor? I'll start with you. Like, the NFT space, man, like, what do you make of it? Because it, it is a whole new world and it is just going crazy at the moment, isn't it? Yes, it's the digital wild west at the moment. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's a crazy space. There's uh, there's not a lot of regulation, obviously. So people are just trying to figure it out. I mean, how did I get into the space? I follow. I'm interested in NFTs, interested in crypto. Not deep dive, but I'm interested. So I start following a few pages, and realistically, what got me in was a fine was a financial hook. So I was saying. Such and such bought NFT, and it was obviously some little pixelated character for two hundred bucks. Now, three weeks later, it's thirty five thousand. I seen about ten of them. I was like, oh, man, I'm over this. I've got to get involved. Like, I've got to, got to buy one. It's just crazy. Um, yeah, that led me into what was how can NFTs be used? So, currently, most people's perspective is or perception of is a, an art based or character based token. Mm. They buy it. They think it looks cool. It might have some utility attached. Maybe that's what gets you in, but you just kind of like, could I 2X, 5X, 10X my investment? I don't want to miss out FOMO. You know what I mean? So that's generally it. We were looking at something originally that was like uh, a little bit left field. We were like, how do we bring together what's front of mind for us? Community, access, culture. So um, finding out what we'll go into, which is a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization, that was the, the one the pathway that we all felt comfortable that we could give real value, mm. real access and build something really special that wasn't going to be involved in what could potentially be the bubble bursting because it's not just based around art and resale value. So that's a little summary. Mate, it's, it's crazy. And, and boys, you know, Rome, Kenny and Paps, like for you guys separate from, from your own sort of own NFT that we're going to touch on, like what have you guys seen before before you kind of tapped into this space? Have you guys been looking at it? Have you been um, as amazed of, as I have? And obviously the door just explained the wild, wild west of the, you know, the digital world. Yeah, I, um, I first heard about um, NFTs. I was sort of, I, I was trading some, some card with some dude. Um, I, was, I was doing a trade. I met, a, I met up with him at a McDonald's and Bentley. We're going to um, clip that. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a trade. I was like, hey, McCarty sent me like, crypto. And it was like, we just sat there and just chatted about heaps of things. And he spoke to me. He was like, oh, yeah, bro. Like, he was an early investor in the crypto space. And he said, oh, bro, by the way, I've just like, I've just, bought um, two CryptoPunks, and I was like, oh, what a CryptoPunk. Oh. Yeah, bro, and then it, he told me exactly what they were, the first NFT, um, told me the whole like background of it when we were just sitting there having a chat, and that's when I sort of was like, bro, what, what, what's going on here? And then I started looking into a few things, and then um, by the Did time, you buy one? Nah, no way, nah. Wait, so but just, just let me in- clarify before you go on here, Kenny. So you were at a Macca's in Bentley and you've met some guy <laughs> and he said he's just bought some CryptoPunks. Yeah, yeah. Bro, yeah. what is going on in this world, man? For those listening, CryptoPunks and Bored Apes are probably the two mainstream ones across media that have just gone like ballistic, right? Like from, yeah, from blue chip NFTs to 
Like these are worth half a million dollars up towards like three, four million dollars, even some of them. Jay-Z even has a crypto punk as like his Twitter profile. So that's why I'm amazed by Kenny's story. So sorry, man, to interrupt, but please continue. Yeah. Uh, so at that point, I think if I, if I bought one, at that point would have been close, close to my whole portfolio at that time, which was a while ago. So I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. But then I like, no way. I, sort of, I, I, I did a little bit of research and I was like, oh, and I didn't really understand. I was like, these these pictures are going for this much. I was just like, oh, yeah. So I left it. And then by the time I went back to have a look at some of the things I was looking into when I was doing the research, they had gone parabolic again. Like wow. the board apes, they were, they were cheap as at that time. And then they took off. And then at that point, I was thinking, oh, well, nah, they're, they've had their run. I'm not going to touch that now. Cause, and then those went crazy. But <laughs> I think the thing, and then from after that, I started diving in and buying a few uh, projects. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't really know as much as I should have when I first jumped in, but by just jumping in, I learned so much. I went in there, um, figured out how to use all the discords, all the, um, community side of it. Um, and I just learned, I just learned so much and I just thought, um, if we were ever gonna come up with something, I, I knew, I knew sort of what, what I felt comfortable with trying to bring out to, to people. I didn't want to give something that I thought was, like a cash grab or um, something that like Sandor said, like I didn't want it to burst and then that would be it. I wanted it to be a, a community. I wanted everyone to have a, a say in how we went. And yeah. I just wanted it to um, be more about giving than getting. So I was like, when when Sandor and all of us boys come together with the project that um, we came up with, I was blown away. I was like, bro, this is it. This is, I want to be a part of this. I feel, I feel comfortable putting my name to this. And, um, yeah, we just, we just went from there and I think Sandor probably cut the same. Bro, it's crazy, right? So just listening to like, and for some of these people that are new to this space, like, don't get me wrong. I, I feel you. This sounds crazy, right? I get it. But go one better with me and just think of how crazy it is to actually think and do by creating your own NFT. Like that is not easy by anyone's means. Like, yes, there's artwork. But the value sustained to some of the artwork and, and obviously some of these tokens is a huge part of the roadmap that's associated with why you would want to buy these NFTs. And these boys that I'm joined with, and there's a couple that aren't here, are crazy enough in this world to go and create their own. Dead Diamond Society, which are these pretty pretty cool looking bloody skulls that have gone out and you know the, the sort of marketing around it's been going for, I don't know how long, Dor, maybe like two months or six weeks or something. Nah, bro. Yeah, that, I love that you say that. Marketing went for two weeks. Bro. Wow, there you go. Cool. Like one day in crypto or one day in NFT, as we keep saying, is seven days in the real Very world. Very true. When you're, in when you're invested as much, it does feel like uh, it's going on. But we wanted to talk about this and we're going we're gonna to jump to maybe where it all started. But, you know, for those listening, like if you, if you want to get on OpenSea, if you want to look at an OpenSea, uh, uh, an NFT, Dead Diamond Society, the coolest skulls, they minted the other day. They've flown out the roof. They're sold out. There's a bunch of resales going on OpenSea. You can still get them at a great value. Um, yeah, so definitely look at it. But, Dor, man, take us through this process of like, you know, who was, the, who was the crazy one to think, let's do this? And then how did the group combine to make it happen? Yeah, well, we're all inspired by Ken, as everyone's touched on. Um, he's he's he the magic man when he like when he gets onto something, he puts in the research, and um, you know Ken's Ken's awesome. So he 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 drove all that. But we we knew that we needed to transition into this digital space. I'll be honest, my own personal wants. I was like, 
I just want to be first in the space. You know, I want to, I want to get in. I want to get something done. I want to be a reference point for everyone for NFTs for digital so we can grow from there before everyone starts doing it. We're just following their lead. So that was my um, passion for it. Uh, Paps had been involved in some stuff with uh, Zed Run, you know, he's big, big into the horse racing and stuff like that. So he had a hook, um, you know, so we all had um, something and we all, we all sat down and chatted about it. And we're like, we've got to get in, we've got to get in. And we dabbled with some ideas. We originally were like, let's just, we've got this clubhouse, we've got this um, education, we've got this entertainment stuff we want to do. Let's, let's use NFTs as a token to create a membership and create community and access and a network. Then we went one further and shout out to uh, Sport Moments, who is our tech arm. Um, they're the guys behind all this uh, that have developed and brought this to life, which is amazing. And they're, in their own right, they've got a great story about what they're trying to achieve, which is essentially um, the NBA top shot of Australia. So amazing journey they're on. So great to collaborate with them. Um, brought vintage mode in and our designer Phil created you know what was never the hero of the project but ended up creating some great artwork in the skulls something something we're all proud of something that we would put on our so Phil created the skulls did he was he the one that like yeah wow man that is insane they're great man yeah they're cool and then Four Point Collectibles is just they're, they're, they're involved in the space and it's, and it's us and, you know, the boys are athletes and they hold a position of influence. So it was a perfect marriage, you know what I mean? It ended up creating something really cool and everyone's contributed and everyone's had a say and then it was just like, right, this is what we're doing. The Dow concept was presented. We all knew it was a go. If you look at the roadmap, the project is just value, but it's oozing value. Yeah. So it's very cool. It's got a lot of substance, a lot of depth. And as I said, we don't have to rely on artwork or secondary value because we've got something with substance, something that's going to engage with everyone, allows decision-making, ownership, dividends. Like, it's very cool. So that's where we ended up. Four weeks, idea wow, to drop. that quick. Sold out in yeah, bro. That's, where, that's one of the amazing things, you know. I suppose from a business perspective, it doesn't have a lot of framework yet, um, but this is now something we see as a big project for the future. And there's a lot of great shit coming. I kind of try and drop this in the Discord as much as possible without saying it, but the people who have seen the value and um, taken up a membership in the society. They really don't know what's to come. And I'm very excited about those prospects. But um, yeah, that's where we've landed. And to sell out in 10 minutes and get the marketing and get a heap of people around, I think we created more hype than we thought we did. Even little things, like it's just cool. Like, you know, having Kyle Kuzma involved and we built a network within a network, you know, a secret society. Um, I'm excited about that probably a little bit more so than, than most, but just bringing together a network of people and, like where can this go? What what's the extension? What can you do? Well, that's what that's what I'm excited about the NFT space. There's a lot of uses for this, so yeah. it's very cool, bro. You mentioned the word Discord, and uh, as I said, it's, there's an element of education here for some of the listeners because I don't expect everyone who tunes in to expect to know everything. But Discord is essentially, it's almost like once you once you want to join the NFT community, whether that's pre-purchase yeah. or post-mint, you enter uh, like a chat, and the word community is thrown around. But these things are insane, man. Like, I've been living in discords for, like, weeks, mm. man. It's crazy. I wanted to ask Roman Paps, because I've seen you guys been quite active in, in the Discord as well um, for, for DDS. But, like, why is that sort of important for you to build that community, have that communication with everyone? And I guess just your perspective on, like, Discord and how it's used uh, across the NFT space. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing, actually. We've got some... Um, just straight off the bat, like we hop in the chat every now and then, 
Um, but we've got some seriously amazing moderators in the chat and they are on there 24-7. Um, great people, um, always know how to start a conversation, um, open up all these different channels, um, answer questions. But I, when I say 24-7, I mean it. I wake up in the morning and they've been grinding all night. Um, yeah, answering questions, helping people out. So um, we just hop in and do our little bit here and there, but um, we've got a pretty amazing community at the moment and um, it sort of happened by, by chance that we stumbled across these moderators, but um, yeah, they've been, they've been super. Um, and that's what it's all about, just keeping that vibe up and, and seeing um, what, this, what this is really all about. And at the end of the day, if everyone believes in it, um, then you're generally gonna get something pretty good. So um, we'll do what we can from our end and um, from Four Point and all the other businesses involved, um, just got to play their part. And um, those guys in the chat just do that as well. Um, yeah, they're unbelievable. <laughs> it's pretty crazy, like, especially um, sort of past few days around the launch time. Yeah, uh, I can imagine that was a crazy period for you guys. Hey? Uh, all the questions and queries, like to manage that, that's like a job in itself, hey? Uh, and yeah. sort of different personalities and uh, people who are stressed. Um, uh, just being able to manage that and sort of see and take it on, um, yeah, it's pretty cool to see. And uh, I guess that's probably the sort of culture we want um, in Dead Diamond Society. And yeah. Um, yeah, the foundation's there now, so we're just going to keep that up. Awesome. Rome, I, I wanted to ask you just because we had the mint date, and I think Dory put up like 15 minutes, it was sold out, which is crazy. Like, yeah, so cool. Rome, for you, did, did you expect it to, to sell out as quick? Did you like, the feeling after it for you boys, like what the hell was that like? Was that just like a moment of like, wow, we did this so quickly and we made something cool happen? Oh, I didn't really, it was sort of an unknown for me, obviously, like, you know, I haven't really, you know, I haven't done this before. I guess none of us have, um, especially, you know, four point lads. So I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if we were going to even sell out or what the go was. Like we, we had confidence in what we had was, you know, awesome and, you know, you know, it's a great opportunity, but, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And, um, you know, when we went live and it just, just took off, it was, it was crazy. Like, I was, I was buzzing. I was like, you know, I, had, I was messaging the boys, like, oh, this is crazy. How, like, this is all, how good is this? Like, jumped in the Discord, just seeing how much people were pumped up about it and seeing the community go off. It was just, yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. And, um, yeah, I didn't expect it, but it's awesome that it happened and it just makes me, you know, so, more, so excited for, you know, everyone in this community community uh, for what's to come and, yeah, it's exciting. I, I actually, I had a really funny story about, like, so I was out playing golf at the time and I was, I'm the same as Rome, I was like, oh, like, we believe in the project, we don't know how long it's going to sell out. Anyway, it sort of rolled around, it was like 5.55 and I was about to tee off. I remember teeing off and the boys were like, make sure we're on the Discord, like, let's, like, Pump let's see up. how this goes sort of thing. And I was like, oh, I probably won't be on. I'm probably walking down the stairway. <laughs> and I remember it was like six, six or Finished the whole, whole takes 15 minutes or something like that. So just topped off the hole, checked my phone again. And all there was like a hundred messages and the boys were like, fuck, like, how good is this? Like, oh. Oh, like, it up. Like, this can't be serious. And then that's how I found out. So I checked and then. Did you think they up. were joking at that time? Do you think it was a piss take or were you yeah, like. Yeah, I was like, uh, cause I didn't really know what to expect. And I was right. like, oh, it didn't really hit. And then it was like, we all FaceTimed each other and we're like, oh, fuck, how good is this? And then that's like, shit. <laughs> that's crazy. We, like, it's cool to sell out, but now it's like, 
match job sort of thing. And that's probably the way we've sort of been brought up, and uh, especially in our career so far, is like, don't be satisfied with what you've done. Like, now it's next job, and, and being able to provide value and, and provide a community that's, that's going to build people up. So, uh, yeah. it's pretty amazing the initial um, sellout, but now it's sort of there. Heads down and uh, it gets to work. Because it's true. You, when you mentioned that, and I imagine the feeling would have been like elation, but also like you see the NFT space a lot mint and then it's sort of like the value and it comes really folds on the roadmap and the community to like drive the value and keep it going and keep people wanting to be like, I need to get in on that. So that's crazy that you guys are already thinking like that. Um, I watched this clip the other day of uh, Floyd Mayweather and he said this thing because he used to be called, uh, called Floyd Pretty Boy Mayweather and he said, as soon as I changed my name to Floyd Money Mayweather, I started making money. And so now I'm starting to call this the money podcast because like, hell, we want to get some money in here. But hey, you boys made some shmoney, man. Like, let's be real. And I don't want to talk figures and stuff like that. But uh, what I will ask is like the NRL Rose put up a post the other day or yesterday. Are those figures accurate? Like, was that was that fabricated or is that shit real, man? Because if that shit's real, holy shit. Oh, I, think it, I think it's a little bit fabricated because I think – it definitely wasn't that much, and a lot of the a lot of the funds that come up are that that were made from the mint. A lot of it is going back into the community. We're buying a lot yeah, of um, right. assets. Um, we look at the roadmap. Yeah, yeah. of course. The, the roadmap, <laughs> it's the expensive. Roadmap the, the roadmap and all the tech and all that stuff. It, it all it all costs money to um, get it all sorted, and then the assets that we want to um, provide for the community, and then every, everything else. It all comes. Um, it'll cost so a lot of that money is going back in um yeah that 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 number is probably a bit wrong but um yeah okay yeah I think the true yeah the true satisfaction for me was um i think i know Dawes spoke about it took four weeks from from the idea to come to life but we took we took almost like probably eight nine months before that trying to come up with a project but we were never Mm. comfortable with what was coming up okay so uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of knocking. There was a lot of research. There was a lot of going back and forth with heaps of different people, but none of them we were sort of comfortable with doing. Yeah. So when we come up with what we were doing, and we all thought it was a good idea, I think the most satisfying thing for me was getting people come into our community and realize this this is a good roadmap. I, I like this community. I like what they're doing. They get, they're, they're putting back into this. I get it, like, and then you get new people coming in, and and I think they think that this is the standard of what what a roadmap or something should be like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Around, based around the DAO should be like, mm. and they're like, well, so when they see something that's just a piece of art that's that's getting minted, they can they then realize like, hey, wait, hang on, like, where's 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 all the opportunity and utility behind? Value. Yeah. So yeah. it was a lot of um, thought and um, edu- and then educating behind. Um, what our project is and what other projects are like. So that was probably the most satisfying thing for me. And now I think the most thing I'm excited about is um, rolling out with our roadmap now and um, getting all these decisions made as a DAO and moving forward as a community together. Yeah, I reckon that's probably like Ken nailed that. I couldn't have said that any better myself. But I think the sort of angle that the past 12 months we were going with is trying to offer our utility and being footy players, we realised that's not going to last forever. Um, and I think where we sat really comfortable was we're actually collaborating with a few other companies that once we decide to hang the boots up, we've actually got the product afterwards that we'll be able to proud to show. And it's not about 
um, being part of a footy community or anything like that. It's, it's about, no, we're going to provide value, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, um, and hopefully be a long-term sort of um, project, I guess you'd call it, but uh, probably a long-term community rather than just being uh, yeah, limited amount of time. Man, that's amazing. This is um, this is going to be big. I actually wanted to ask just quickly: is it who's the biggest basketball fan out of you four? Like, who who would you say, Rome? All right, we got to we got to touch on Kuzma, like because like at no, what, at what yeah, he's a Wizards fan. Yeah, are you a Wizards fan too? <laughs> Were you a Wizards fan pre Kuzma? Yeah, yeah, bro, that's weird, man. How did you? So we had, uh, well, we actually had dinner with him a couple of years ago, and <laughs> oh. uh, we thought him he up. Did, he uh, did, he I did. I was a Wizards fan, and he, you know, he got it done. So, <laughs> yeah, you're the trade man, man. You're gonna turn to what's his name, Adam Schefter or whatever, is calling out all those trades. That's crazy. But um, for you guys, that obviously, you know, you've got a great network in the NRL. We've obviously seen Cheese and and Munster that you know promoted it, and and that's big. But like having Kuzma like involved was that. Another moment of like, holy shit, again. Um, oh, I think it's it's it's, um, it's a credit to the Allo Group. So Allo Group done a lot of work. They've worked with Kobe um, in the past. Um, they've worked with um, Shaq. You know, they brought Tatum, Kuzma down. So I think it's just a credit to how how um, how many good relationships they have in their network yeah. that we have access to now through the Dead Diamond Society. Uh, uh, that's that's the thing that was um, that I was really happy about. That it was it was pretty crazy with how it all happened. I mean, we've we've had zooms with him in the past about like four point and all that sort of stuff. Um, we had dinner with him, me and Jerome, with him and Tatum at one point with the group, and um, and then now we we got to collab with him on this. So it was, that was a really um, the whole process has been it's been a buzz, and uh, I think I'm moving forward. I think there's some bigger and better things on way too. Awesome, man. Yeah, the Owl Group are a big, big part of this. And, like, they just say, share such a passion and commitment to building a network and seeing the value of that. So to align with them has been unbelievable. Dor, before I um, sign off, I just wanted to give you, I guess, give you the floor because I think one of the goals of this podcast was me was to make people aware of the, the NFT space, make people aware of the great stuff you were doing. But for those listening that are like, oh, they're interested in going in the NFT space, can you just give him some insight into maybe, you know, why jumping on the Dead Diamond, Dead Diamond Society would be you know, a great first NFT and what they can expect? Because obviously they, they've heard the people behind it, which is great. So they, they understand you guys. But maybe just to give them some incentive of like why they should come on board, why they should get on OpenSea and purchase their, their first NFT. Yeah, for sure, bro. I probably see it as like three pillars and each each of the pillar will be of, of appealing to different people. So first and foremost, uh, the words access and community. What we wanted to build was a, don't think of start to change your perception first and foremost. When you think NFTs, don't get caught up in what's being posted and marketed on social media. Take yourself away from the art and the character-based tokens and look at what could a non-fungible token and the blockchain be used for. So for us, it was like. We want to create a society, a club, a membership where people can be a part of something. And innately, that's all in us. You know, we want to be a part of something. We're lucky that we have some people of influence, some people that are involved in professional sport that people want to be around. People want access to. They want to get to know these people, their personality, who they really are. So that was a good hook for us. And I want to build and develop access and a network of athletes and people in you know, people are artists, people in business, people in crypto and bring all these people together 
and then have anyone yeah. who's anyone in our society have access and be able to talk shop and learn and better themselves and have a good time. So first and foremost, that's what the society foundation is. It's, it's building that and having something really cool. Secondly, there's a financial opportunity and we've identified some really cool projects in our roadmap. You know, the next thing we're going to do in the next couple of days is chase the, the Holy grail, the big dogs aboard eight. You know, so we're going to go after that. Yes, baby. The Dow, our society, yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> society is going to get to make a decision. You know, that's the part of, that's the great part of being an owner in this. You get to, you get decision-making, ownership, um, capabilities. So we'll, we'll select that. Following on from that, we've got a great plug-in vintage mode and, you know, all of our society members will be rocking their oversized kit with their board ape. Like that's going to be really cool, you know? So, and then it's just to flow on from there, you know, the Z run horse and having a race day, like how cool is that going to be? Buying land in the sandbox metaverse and eventually building our society clubhouse. Um, and then obviously uh, it's a little bit more in depth, but on the surface, Gala node mining token that will provide, you know, token dividend opportunities for everyone who's involved and give us the ability to then look at other projects that we want to buy into, you know, that are on the come up. So it's constant engagement. It's awesome to have that education and the ability to not only um, increase the value of the token, but be a part of, you know, um, acquiring different projects and stuff like that. So those are the main things. That's, that's a big part of the dead diamond society. And lastly, um, being an OG founder, you know, part of this startup, um, an early adopter means you ha- are going to have access and enjoy all the fruits of our labor that is to come. And uh, we've got some pretty awesome stuff on way um, in collaboration with everyone who's involved. So, mate, if those three pillars don't get you hooked, I'm <laughs> well, yeah, I'll, I'll go one better as well because, like, I know I'm talking about it, but people, I've minted two skulls. So, um, hey, my I'm man. on board the DDS train and I'll tell you why and this is not not to piss in your guys pocket at all because I wouldn't invest my money lightly but when I look at the NFT space I look at three things one for me is if I actually just genuinely like the artwork and stuff like that because at the end of the day if, if it's something I want to have I want it to look good I want to like it myself the other is the roadmap because the roadmap kind of incentivizes value and how cool if I own this what's that going to bring me what sort of opportunities that going to bring me what sort of return on my investment am I going to get? And then thirdly for me, and a big one, is the people behind it. And like I haven't met Rome, uh, Kenny and Paps before, but just hearing you guys and obviously the door talk about this, like I feel very confident in the investment and just the passion you guys have for it to like not stop once it's minted is, is pretty awesome, man. So as a thank you for coming on my show, um, our good partners at uh, Rick's Eyewear. No one's coming on the Unlaced podcast empty-handed this year. And I don't know if you guys know Rick's Eyewear, but they are a boutique luxury sunglass brand um, built in Australia. They've had the likes of OBJ and Emily Radikowski rock them. It's pretty cool. Usually in person, we'd give them to you physically, but I'm going to send Dor you a link to pass on to the boys. And we're going to give you guys a pair of sunnies as a thank you for coming on and, and talking about DDS. So... Um, oh, man. For those that, that are tuning in, rickseyewear.com.au, discount code is unlaced. Uh, we had it on last year. It did really well. So get on there, get some really good sunnies. But for the boys, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and opening the first show of the year with a big bang. Uh, legend, bro. Thanks for having us, bro. It's been, um, it's been awesome. All, all good, man. Well, best of luck for the year, boys. Yeah, legend, and door, man. Be fun. Awesome, man. Can't wait. Let's, let's rock the DDS society, no doubt. Let's go. Oh. Cool.
Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details.